Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. Burnout is a state of emotional, physical, and mental exhaustion caused by excessive and prolonged stress. It occurs when you feel overwhelmed, emotionally drained, and unable to meet the constant demands of your life. Now, this is something many people are feeling right now, maybe even you. And if it isn't addressed, it can lead to physical, emotional, and mental difficulties, which just create more stress, leading to more burnout. It's a nasty cycle that can create lasting disruptions in your life. Executive life coach, Lee Maranaki is here to talk about burnout and how to overcome it. So Lee, thanks for coming on the show and talking about what is, you know, people have been feeling overwhelmed and burnout for a long time. And then of course, the last couple of years have really um, exacerbated it. And we're heading into the holiday season, which is again, another time for people to go a little bit, you know, stressful. And so I'm so glad you're here to talk about this. Thank you so much, Leslie. It's just so great to be with you today because this topic, yes, is something that's very close to my heart. Um, As someone who has experienced burnout, I have felt the pain. Um, I have navigated my way out of it. And so I'm actually quite eager to share some of what I learned through that process. Well, I'm so glad to hear that there's a way out. So we're going to get to that. But, you know, I mentioned the definition of burnout. But what are some specific ways that it manifests that maybe people can recognize better than just this wonderful word, burnout? Mm -hmm. So the thing with burnout is that it's actually a subtle process. Um, I, I tend to refer to it as the slow burn of burnout because it doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. So what we do is that we land up kind of putting other people's needs ahead of our own and not really registering that we're putting ourselves at the back of the queue. Right. And by that, I mean, we might take work, you know, business calls during a Sunday lunch, or we will check in on on emails every day during any kind of holiday or vacation time. Uh And What happens is that it starts to manifest in subtle ways at first that if we aren't paying attention, will make us hit the wall. Okay. So it could be anything from, you know, your moods start to change and they'll seesaw between a sense of attentiveness sometimes where, you know, you're really on point and looking at things and then you move into a state of apathy. Okay. And... What can also happen is that you start to become overwhelmed by, I want to say simple tasks. So you, you know, things that small decisions that you may have had to make before suddenly start building up so that you start going, ah, I, I, what do I do next? Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And when that happens, we can often make silly mistakes with things that, you know, we were always terribly competent with. Mm-hmm. And then we find ourselves going, ah how did that happen? (laughs) And that often comes from the fact that you land up battling to sleep properly. You know, Uh insomnia is quite a, 
it's, it's, it's a pervasive symptom of burnout because you, you know that feeling. I, everyone has experienced it at some time where you wake up at like three or four in the morning and your mind's churning like crazy. Mm-hmm. But that ongoing battle to sleep or constant insomnia then makes you start to become prone to ongoing little illnesses that if you're not paying attention, you'll think, oh, you know, it's just a cough or, oh, it's just a backache or, oh, you know, my tummy just is feeling a little upset. But when you start putting them all together, you then recognize that actually those puzzle pieces are forming a picture that your body is giving you a message. And if yes. you don't pay attention to them, um, that, that starts to become an issue. And when, you know, when you're not eating properly, you're not sleeping properly, you start becoming low on energy. And it's almost like, I remember I kind of, I felt really lackluster uh-huh. about my health generally. It was like, meh, eh, I don't really care one way or the other, you know? And that cynicism um, tends to creep into life and work and relationships. We just generally become kind of questioning and cynical and going, yeah, really? About everything. Well, and I, and I love your description of this because, you know, it, it's something that happens gradually. And so it almost is, we, you know, we don't remember the before picture and, you know, and, and, and it's, not me. There, there's a bunch of different things around it. And I love you talking about the in, in, insomnia and then maybe not eating well because you, know, but we're, we live in this, in this culture of, you know, busy, 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 busy. I mean, busy is a, is a, you know, badge of honor and, oh. you know, and our bodies mm. are telling us stop, but, but sometimes those, what I'm hearing from you is that those symptoms are you know, they're not overwhelming. It's not like you just broke your leg and you can't walk. <laughs> you know? Exactly. It's, it's these minor little things that add up and, you know, and, and our bodies will eventually knock us on our butts. They're basic, they'll basically say enough. I've given you enough warning. You're not listening to me. Now I'm going to knock your legs right out from underneath you. And then we're in this crisis situation. Exactly. Exactly. And if we're not paying attention and not, and I'm not saying kind of go and look for problems necessarily, mm-hmm. but, you know, become aware. If, you're, if you start to see regular patterns of things that are happening, you know, step back for a moment and go, okay, I don't recall this ever being an issue. So what's going on here? Mm-hmm. And another really, you know, when, when I spoke about moods seesawing, yes. you know, we all, yes, obviously we <laughs> all have different moods at different times, but... If you find yourself kind of inexplicably going from like high to low and then almost down to depression or, you know, too anxious about things, start to, to just, it's almost like become aware without judgment of what's going on and then, and then stop. As you say, this kind of, I, I find the glamorization of busyness, as you mentioned, just it's been so pervasive and it is actually quite detrimental to to us in so many ways because we have so much stuff being thrown at us all the time, whether it's from the news or from the environment or from 
you know, your, the notifications on your phone telling you that, oh, look, ping, 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 there's something here and there's something <laughs> yeah. there. Pay attention. Mm-hmm. And it, it starts becoming overwhelming. And we can't, we, we actually need to filter out a lot of those external messages and go internal. Yeah. And that's, go, and that's pretty hard to do with the information overload that we get because, you know, the information, you know, information is bombarding us from every different direction. So absolutely. how does burnout impact a person's relationships? Who? <laughs> There's a little that, simple question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, um, I want to say that the, the first thing that happens is that we start neglecting personal relationships. And it, that could be anything from kind of snapping at your kids to, you know, maybe griping at your spouse unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and perhaps even finding yourself moaning to your friends. You know, if you're chatting on the phone, everything you talk about is how awful life is, how difficult things are. You struggling with this. It's like you have no joy to, uh-huh. draw, to draw from. And what happens is that kind of when, when we're not taking time for ourselves, and if we do, it's like with a huge sack of guilt sitting on our shoulders, um, we, we become then quite defensive and we'll start finding fault with the people around us. Uh-huh. So we start getting quite picky. And because we're so exhausted and oftentimes trying to mask that exhaustion, uh-huh. we become you know, people have different uh, uh, tactics, obviously, but being passive aggressive is one of them, definitely. Uh-huh. And, and fi- yeah, finding, just finding fault with everything, whether it's yourself or the people around you or your work colleagues, everything becomes like an issue, you know, and you, you also find that you're worrying incessantly. So, you're either worrying to create a situation or worrying about a situation. And um, I, I always think about the, the two emotions that kind of take us out of the present moment more than any others are guilt and worry. Uh-huh. Guilt because it's looking at the past and we can't change that and worry because <laughs> it's about the future and something that might or might not happen. Well, and I mean, it- yeah, I mean, and that's really where we are right now, you know, because because yes. we're we're in this time of uncertainty in in so many different ways and so many aspects of of our lives, and of course, the people who are closest to us are the ones who are going to experience, you know, our our own overwhelm the most. I mean, I remember this was years ago, back you know when my kids were younger. And if I didn't sleep well, which is, you know, you know, after a certain age, that became a pretty much common thing. And I would tell them in the morning, I'd say, guys, mom got three hours of sleep last night. Proceed with caution <laughs> because <laughs> because I knew I didn't have the, the patience that I would have if I'd gotten a good night's sleep. And I and I really think that. Um, this whole idea of, of taking care of ourselves physically, meaning getting enough sleep, eating 
well and regularly and and movement you know just regular mm-hmm. you know exercise you know, I, I you know, I frequently will tell my clients I say you know exercise is a is a twofer it it minimizes your cortisol and it adds endorphins so you get it on both ends of the spectrum and it's not something you have to go out and you know run a marathon every week to, you know yes. it's just it's just, but, but it's so hard for people to, cause then you have the guilt and you mentioned your know, self-care and so many people think that if I take care of myself, I'm being selfish. It's like, oh, how do we break this? This is just crazy. Exactly. Exactly. Because that guilt then just kinds of, it, it overloads us to the point that, you know, self-care is then seen as being selfish. And it's absolutely not selfish. It's, it's that whole thing about if your cup isn't full, you have nothing to give. Mm-hmm. And I think people, especially in this kind of hybrid workplace work model that's happening now, um, people are saying, well, you know, I feel guilty because my kids are around me and, and I'm not able to spend much time with them because I'm trying to do work. And then I do too much work because I'm trying to overcompensate for the fact that my kids are around me. So there is this constant cycle that's happening. And that's where the introspection and just taking a moment to go, to go inwards and say, okay, deep breath, you know, where, Mm -hmm. where am I right now? Because with all the uncertainty, if the the best way that we can manage ourselves is be, you know, becoming centered in our, in ourselves, in our core. This is happily ever after is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm talking about burnout, what it is and how it impacts your life with executive life coach Lee Maranaki. And if you find yourself overwhelmed by life, your job, your relationships and so on, you're not alone, but there is something you can do about it. And understanding what makes relationships work can lessen a lot of the stress around them. And if you'd like to learn more about that, I can help. I invite you to take a moment and get in touch with me to schedule your free five-star relationship discovery session. You can reach me by email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, and is it Nancy, C is in charlie.com. Or you can reach me by phone at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. And I want to get back to this conversation about burnout, how it impacts you, your relationships, your life, and what you can do about it. So Lee, you talk about the most important relationship that people have is the one with themselves. And this is where the focus needs to be to overcome burnout. Can you say more about this? Absolutely. Um, I think one of the first issues to recognize is kindness. Mm. When we're in this state of burnout, it's oftentimes that we forget how to be kind to ourselves. And we we were talking just now about self-care. And I'd, I'd love to just remind everyone that self-care means more than kind of taking, you know, a bubble bath with a, mm-hmm. you know, a bar of chocolate. It's, it's actually one of the most important elements is boundaries. Uh, boundaries that we set for ourselves as the limits to kind of keep us safe and show others what's important for us. And 
healthy boundaries mean that we won't compromise our own values because we know what's important for us. We've kind of taken some time to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And it, it was a really interesting process um, for me, actually, because it took me a couple of years to register that I was burnt out because I ignored all of those signals right, and ignored what my body was telling me. And interestingly, I felt a particular level of shame and it, I, I had spent 20 years working in corporate human resources. And so I felt I should have known better. Ah, there's that word. My least favorite word in the entire English language, should. Should. Exactly. Oh, that's a horrible word. Exactly. <laughs> it is. It is a, an awful word. And that space of, um, you know, I should have known better or I should have known what I was doing kept me in that cycle of uh, kind of not registering what was happening for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I always feel the most, the, a really significant point to remember is that boundaries are not the same for everyone. You know, we, we have different uh, levels of, of um, acceptance, if you like. So uh-huh. what, what is porous for someone um, and almost too easy could be quite rigid and inflexible for someone else. And this is where tuning in to our emotions and paying attention to how we're feeling really helps us to be able to either respond to a situation and make sense of it rather than kind of react, you know, and get Mm -hmm. mad about things when, when perhaps we didn't explain our boundary very clearly and that's why everything's off kilter or because we've been triggered by something and kind of we, we need to spend some time and, and understand why that is. And, so oh, it, it's interesting that you talk about boundaries because this is, you know, this has been a, a topic that has, has appeared on, on many of my recent shows about this concept about boundaries and and how to set them because, you know, again, we go back to the shoulds or we go back to the pressures. And, you know, I think a lot of people say, well, I, how, how do I set a boundary? How do I set a boundary with my children? How do I set a boundary with my boss? How do, I mean, these things, you know, setting boundaries is very, is scary because most of the time when we set a boundary, somebody else isn't going to like it. And what often happens is that we we worry about setting the boundary and conveying that boundary because we're worried that we're going to be rejected. Mm -hmm. We're worried that someone's not going to like us and that ah, it, it it will kind of upset the balance or we won't create a good impression or we're scared that there'll be a confrontation if Mm -hmm. we declare that this is what we want for ourselves. The other person, you know, might argue with us and actually try and persuade us that our boundary isn't important and, you know, might make us feel bad. Mm -hmm. They they might even start negotiating with us, (laughs) telling us why we need to change our decision Uh so that it suits them better. Exactly. And that's... This is where I always say you have the right to amend any boundary you set because it's there to help you feel safe. And 
that, that's why the kind of getting in touch with your yourself and your emotions and understanding your values and what's important for you can really help bring that forward. Because when you want to tell someone about your boundary, it can feel really awkward at uh-huh. first. You're like, yep. oh, I don't really <laughs> want to do this. But so, so there's a sense of kind of being gracious and respectful, but also quite firm about your choice and what your decision is. And I always say to people, use simple language. So there can be no chance that the other person misunderstands what you're saying. And, you know, don't feel you have to justify it or get really Uh, angry or even apologize for the boundaries that you've set because this is for you. So it's almost like you need to focus on what you want rather than what the other person must do for you. And that's, you know, and that's a, uh, sometimes that's a hard needle to thread because we, we want to do these things. And I think this is how people get overwhelmed in the first place, because you're talking about a boundary and a boundary is basically saying no to something. And, you know, and, and we're trained to say yes, especially to the people that are close, that are closest to us, um, And, you know, and so saying no to your spouse or your child or your work colleague or whomever. um, And I think this is, you know, this is that what you talked about in the beginning about this kind of slow, gradual thing, because we, you know, it's not like we get hit with overwhelm all at once. It's like, we just keep, I just have this picture of, and I'm dating myself here back in the, in the variety shows. And there'd be the guy with the, with the spinning plates and he'd keep adding the plates. And, you know, so he'd have all these, you know, plates spinning. That to me is the, is for me, the visual of overwhelm is that we just, we keep adding plates and we never take anything away. Mm -hmm. And, you know, learning how to say no appropriately can feel very awkward Mm -hmm. at first. And it's important to remember, um, I think in particular when dealing with another adult, that you want to have an adult-to-adult conversation. Obviously, if you're speaking to a child, there is the, you know, from transactional analysis, there's the, there's the adult and the child or the parent and the child level of conversation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, setting, setting appropriate boundaries can, can often be, um, it's, it's almost like a life process when it's to your children, but when it's to either family members or a spouse, it, it, it takes on a different level. And the one thing I always say um, is please, please, please make sure that you feel safe doing this. If, if the mm-hmm. other person, whoever they are, if they're in any kind of position of authority or there's a, a power differential, mm-hmm. just make sure that you feel safe in, in having that conversation because, you know, the, 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 the nature of your relationships and, and your response to your mother, for example, will mm-hmm. be very different to your response to your boss in turn, you know, to the response with your neighbor or, mm-hmm. or a colleague. Mm-hmm. So if anyone has ever been physically aggressive or um, has been, in any way, violent or threatened violence, then rather get help than trying to establish a boundary like that. And when when people are 
I want to say responding, you know, when, and it happens so often with family, doesn't it? Where they know yes. exactly which buttons to push mm-hmm. and they go, oh, ding, ding, ding. They know <laughs> it gets a response from us. Right. And that's where if, if we can step back and kind of recognize that it's happening mm-hmm. is that we say, okay, I'm not going to engage in the same old argument with this person because mm-hmm. I have the power to choose how I respond and I can actually choose to walk away. So if there's any kind of threat of something, perhaps choose to get outside help, like, mm-hmm. you know, going to see a counselor or, or getting therapy or asking for a mediation from, you know, a supervisor at work, whatever it is. But remember, I think, I think the key again is kind of trust, trust your gut, because what? if it feels off, it mm-hmm. is off. Right. And I think a lot of times people don't, because I I like to say nobody has to take a relationship course and I think everybody should. And and the same thing about, you know, learning to set boundaries and because, you know, we start out as little kids, not having a whole lot of um, autonomy in terms of what we can do. We, we, you know, yes, if we, if we have, you know, a good family, then yes, we, we can learn to set boundaries as children. But, but a lot of times we're, we aren't taught how to set boundaries. And then we become adults and we still don't know how to set boundaries. And dealing with somebody else's emotional discomfort around a boundary that we're setting, it, I mean, I, I kind of look at boundary setting like like going to the gym and building your muscles. You know, it's, Absolutely. Yep. You, you know, it's, it's a process. And, and when you practice it, um, that you'll get better at it. But it, it, overcoming that, that huge, I don't know what I want to call it, um, you know, that, that, that idea that I actually can say no to certain things. I mean, and there are, you know, there are a lot of things that people, you know, automatically, you know, they go, no, that, that's okay to say no to, like, like you know, physical abuse. It's like, no, you're not going to hit me. <laughs> but, you know, there's so much before that, that, you know, because it's like, well, if I say no to my boss, will I lose my job? If I say no to my husband or my wife, will they leave me? If I say no to my children, will they not like me? You know, <laughs> it's mm. this whole, it's this, it's this leap we have to make that is so incredibly scary. It absolutely is. And, uh, I, you know, thank you for, for kind of highlighting this because sometimes it, it helps to practice how to say no. Mm-hmm. And it, it's when, when we can kind of stand firm in our own resolution, you know, that we can find a way to say no respectfully and it's also like, think about the timing when you want to have this discussion. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I had someone say to me once, well, you know, I tried to have the conversation, but, you know, <laughs> my husband was walking out the room. Right. Yes. Like, well, that's helpful, not. <laughs> um, it's, it's, you know, choose a time to have that kind of discussion when both you and the other person are able to give it your full attention. Yes. And it kind of think about the language you use, you know, it's, it's how you engage with them. It, it can be such a simple shift in attitude 
which helps you and the other person to understand what's being said. Because, I mean, you know, communication is not always easy. And sometimes it's like the, the smallest slip that creates this huge misunderstanding and everything gets blown out of proportion. Mm-hmm. And so if we can kind of, again, take a step back and instead of saying, uh, you know, as an example, um, uh, I, I, I can't talk about this now, like I'm tired. Uh-huh. when you just get home from work, uh-huh. it could be to say, you know what, I'd really love to have half an hour just to wind down. And then perhaps we can have this conversation when I've had a little bit of space just to clear my thoughts. Well, and this so, is, yeah. And I love your, your talking about this because we, we tend to want to have the conversation when we're in the moment. And if we're yeah. already and if we're already in overwhelm and we're trying yep. to set a boundary in that moment, it's probably not going to go well. And I love the idea that you talk about thinking about what you what your boundary is, getting clear about what it is, and then how to state it in clear, simple language. And and for that, we need to to be in that mental state and and not and not in a reactive state. Absolutely. It's, it's coming from a place of being centered and, you know, checking the tone of what you're saying and not waving your hand, pointing your finger, you know, mm-hmm. pointing one finger forwards, but all the others are pointing back at yourself. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And, and just, again, kind of tapping. Oh, the other really important thing. Oh, I can't believe I didn't mention this was breathe. <laughs> Oh, yes. You know, so often that we kind of get ourselves into such a state and just take a moment, go back, go back to your breath, take, you know, three or four deep breaths if you need to. And when you're ready, then you can have a conversation because all that, you know, the breathing helps to kind of bring blood to your brain and helps calm your nervous system. And it just kind of brings focus. And it's far more useful to have that conversation when you're in, you know, your, your parasympathetic nervous system is stable than mm-hmm. when you're hyper aroused and potentially angry and you can feel your, you know, that like when you get really mad and you can feel your, your heartbeat in your ears, mm-hmm. that's not the time to no. have this kind of conversation. And, and, and the other thing that people need to, to know is that you may have to, you know, talk about this particular boundary more than once, <laughs> you know, it's like, absolutely. You know, I may have to just to say, you be, because, because sometimes people don't understand, Oh, this thing that I'm doing is, is that other bound is that same boundary for you. I wasn't making that connection and, exactly. you know, and, and being calm and clear, which of course sounds really simple, <laughs> but is a lot harder than most people know, because, um, again, and, and I love you bringing back in the breathing because people underestimate the power of breathing and breathing really does get us back into where do I want to be and, and how do I want to be? And it gives us that moment. And, you know, it, and it probably you know, it seems like it's taking forever, but it's actually just a few seconds. Yeah, yeah. And, and those few seconds can help regulate an entire tone of a conversation. Mm-hmm. And 
And I think what you've mentioned there is so important. If we're unclear about the message that we're giving and the other person hasn't remembered it because it's not important for them. Right. It, it, we can ask them for help mm-hmm. in maintaining those boundaries, which, you know, you could also feel a bit embarrassed or weird or like a little selfish doing this at first because it's, oh, okay. Right. How am I going to have this conversation? But, you know, people don't necessarily remember something that's not important for them. Oh, I'm and so what, glad you said that. Yeah. <laughs> what really helps rather than getting mad at them is to just explain calmly and politely what your boundary is and then how what that other person said or did crossed your boundary. Mm-hmm. And again, it helps to frame what you want rather than what you don't want so that they remember something positive mm-hmm. from the process rather than, ah, oh, she's, you know, she's yelling at me because I did X, Y, and Z again. Right. Make a make a request instead of just complaining, which is what which is what setting a boundary is. I am making a request. You know, now a boundary is more than just, you know, because it's out making a request makes it sound open for debate. And a boundary isn't open for debate, but how it's phrased, it's like, this is what I need. And and I love the idea that when you were talking about, because this is where people get into trouble is, well, I said it once, my partner should remember, but like you said, it doesn't register because it's not important to them. Not that you're not important to them, but this, but this thing, this, this behavior doesn't register with them as, as being something important. And so the, a lot of times people will tell themselves the story, well, my partner just doesn't care about me when it's, it just, it just hasn't hit that, that tipping point yet where they go, oh, okay, this is something, you know, it's sort of, it's sort of like setting bedtime with kids, which by the way, is a boundary. And they're like, well, can I have another story? Can I have a drink of water? (laughs) They go through this whole thing because they don't want that boundary. And, and the more you go, no, no, it's bedtime, no more stories, no more this. And you probably have to do that several, you know, nights, maybe weeks in a row until the child goes, oh, this is a boundary. Yeah. And it's the same thing with our partners. And that's a that's a perfect synopsis, you know. And whether it's uh, whether it's it's kind of a, a family member or your partner at home or a colleague at work, we all have different boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I think one one of the key things actually for us to remember always is that our boundaries must also match our own behavior. Ah. So if we um, you know, make demands of other people and say, you know, you must be on time for this meeting. And we're the one, <laughs> we're the ones who perpetually arrive late. We're not, we're not operating in alignment with what we're talking about. And then people won't trust us. Right. They won't right. trust what we're saying because what we say and what we do are, are not gelling. And, and that's sometimes what people forget and they go, yeah, but you said you did. And it's like, oh, oh yeah. Now, and now we're <laughs> off to the races. And that's, and by the way, that's a conversation for another day that we may be able to have. But Lee, I want to thank you so much for coming on and talking about this and getting and being really specific about how people can identify overwhelm and then also take steps to, to deal with it. So can you share um, any, you know, your contact information, how people can learn more about this really important subject? Absolutely, Leslie. Thank you so much. Yes. 
Um, I, I have a website which people can connect to, which is leemaranaki.com, and it's spelled L-E-E-M-A-R-I-N for Nelly, A-K-I.com. Um, you can email me at connect at leemaranaki.com. And if anyone is on Facebook, I have a group that's called From Burnout to Better, The mm. Heart of Productivity. So you can just search for The Heart of Productivity and it'll take you there. And I, you know, I'm, I'm very happy to, A, have shared this information because I know that burnout is really prevalent um, at the moment. And I, I feel very strongly about being able to at least explain to other people, you know, what I went through and what helped for me. And to just say with, with some compassion and some clarity and some courage, we can form a, a kind of reconnection with ourselves that, that helps us ease ourselves out of that doldrums of burnout, because it can be a place that's very stagnating and overwhelming. Right. And if you're in that space, Know that it's not overnight. There's no magic pill, <laughs> but it will get better. Yeah. It does. Well, and thank you for that. And you know, what I want to let you know is that life is going to happen. And that means a certain amount of stress will come along with it. But being able to identify the stress and having a way to effectively cope with it will save you a lot of heartache. You and all of your relationships will benefit. So hopefully you found this helpful and I hope you will keep listening to the show. And until next week, stay loving.